Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it because we have a very special guest today. He is the creator of one of the biggest G League Instagram pages in the basketball sphere. Please welcome, from G League TV, Jeffrey Sosa. What's going on, fellas? I appreciate you guys having me on. Yes, sir. Ryan, this one been in the mix for a while, my bro. Tell the people, tell the people a little bit about, about Jeffrey before we let him truly introduce himself. Let's talk about this page, Jeffrey, because the success of this page has been, has been so important to what has been happening in the G League because we talked about the rise of the G League before we started the pod today and it's so important because it's not getting the coverage that it needs to. So, Jeffrey, let's talk about uh, about the G League TV page. Why did you come up with the G League TV page? You know, um, I, I started following the G League maybe six years ago. And as someone that was always following the NBA my whole life, the G League was like something where it had been around. I started following in 2015. It had been around for 14 years, but, you know, no one was really following it. Like none of my friends all who follow the NBA – None of them really cared about the G League or went to any G League games. So I went to my first, my hometown team is the uh, Delaware 87ers, who are now the Delaware Bluecoats. And so I started going to their games around 2015, and tickets were like 10 bucks, you know, and it's just super cheap. And, you know, the, the access you can get at a G League game is unlike anything you get at an NBA game. So tickets are $10. Security doesn't care where you sit, so, like, that's the cheapest ticket. I would just move down to the very front, you know, and then after the games – you could just stand outside the locker rooms and then meet the players. So I would stand outside the locker rooms and meet, like, Anthony Bennett, or I, I met Christian Wood. I have a picture with him, uh, Jerry Stackhouse. You know what I mean? It, it was just the access you could get at the G League game was unlike anything that I would experienced before as a fan. And so I was automatically hooked, you know, as someone that, you know, likes meeting players, likes getting, like, all that up-close action. And so I, I started following around 2015, and it kind of just grew into, like, an obsession of watching games, going to games, tracking the players and where they're going. And, you know, I, I said it before the podcast started, there's just so much talent in the G League that goes unnoticed. You know, there's so many basketball pages out there on Instagram. And it's crazy because, like, all of them cover the main stars in the NBA, but rarely do they cover um, the G League call-ups. And then, even more importantly, the ones who are still in the G League waiting to get called up, you know? And so... Uh, last year when quarantine started and there's nothing to do, I was like, you know what, um, I've, I've always wanted to start a page more like around NBA, but I was like, m- my true passion is the G League, so I might as well start something for the G League. I think the guys in the G League would appreciate it more having their highlights being shown, um, having their potential being put out there to the world and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I started last, uh, last April. And in the past year and a half, it's grown into, you know, some maybe around four, 45,000 followers or so. But, yeah, I'm just trying to take it, you know, wherever I can, just trying to get these guys as much, as much exposure and the league as, as much exposure as possible. And then we'll see where it goes from there. So what is it about the G League that intrigues you the most compared to the NBA or college basketball? Because we talk about the passion of the players and not and they're not getting the coverage that they need 
which is one of the which is one of the reasons why you started the G League TV page. Right. So, what intrigues you the most about them? Yeah, it's just the fact that they get very little attention, you know. And it's crazy because some of these guys were big name stars in college, you know. When they go to the G League, they might not get drafted. They go to the G League, and then all of a sudden, like we don't hear about them for three years, right? It's like where did this guy go? And it's like, oh, he's playing in the G League. Um, you know, and a lot of these guys also are severely underpaid. You know, the starting salary of the G League is $35,000, you know. So these guys are grinding day in and day out. And, and also, when I was in high school and then uh, and then in college, too, I, inter- I interned for minor league teams. So I've, I've always been, like, really interested in the minor league brand of these guys who are super underrepresented and they don't have much exposure at all. People don't know how good they are. And so it's been kind of like a thing for me to kind of – to, to, I like, in a way, finding these guys who don't really have much of a name and helping them maybe develop that name to the world that doesn't know them quite yet. I think it's just interesting because of the fact that there are so many players that you've met. Like you met, you mentioned you met Anthony Bay, you mentioned you met Christian Wood. Who are some of the other players that you've met covering the G League? Yeah, there's been a ton. Um, so I met Christian Wood when he was in his – I met him a few times. I have a few pictures of him, but um, – Christian Wood, he played for the 87ers when he was with the Sixers, and he was getting like two points a game for the Sixers, and he'd come over to the 87ers and drop 25 and 10, you know? And I was like, this guy's going to be something special. But he spent, you know, four years in the G League, and he wasn't really getting the call-ups he deserved, and now he's taken off, you know? And so, um, But a, a few more are uh, Rafael Putney, who's the G League's all-time leader in blocks. I'm actually – he actually gave me his game-worn jersey, which I'm nice. now. And so this is kind of like my prized possession. And um, and so what else? I met uh, Walt Lemon, who was a G League All-Star this past summer. Uh, Dakari Tucker plays for uh, the Iowa Wolves and hit 10 threes in the game last year. So I've met a lot over the years. Um, it's just more about, you know, I-, I love following these guys from the moment they get to the G League and then hopefully when they eventually get called up to the NBA. Another one that I love is Alizé Johnson who spent uh, three years in the G League. He was with, um, he was actually drafted by the Pacers, but spent two years with the Mad Ants and last year with the Raptors on 05. And he's another guy, I was like, you know, watching these guys, it's like, man, these they deserve to be on a roster, but year in and year out, they're back in the G League, and then eventually they finally get that call up. So, yeah, it's been cool following these guys and then talking with them at games. And one thing about the G League players, I'm sure the NBA players are the same, but the G League guys, you know, when you go to the games, and you want to talk to them or you know take a picture or whatever they they seem like very receptive of that whereas like in the NBA right they're a little more, more big time right and i think there's also so many people asking them for that at the NBA games whereas the G League games you might go to a few a few arenas and there might be you know 500 fans there so they appreciate the love more than i think the average NBA player would Ryan, this man, Jeffrey, is screaming up my Chicago Bulls fan to Walt Lemon Jr., Alizier Johnson. He's, he's, Alizier Johnson, he's, he's screeching up my fandom right now. But, Jeffrey, I, I have a really interesting question. We're going to talk about the G League Ignite in a little bit, but I really want to ask you about the G League as a route professionally in comparison to some of these overseas leagues, right? Eurobasket, uh, the NBL, right? We recently saw, uh, Nico Mannion choose to go the overseas route as opposed to being a part of the Golden State Warriors, for example, right? right? What do you think what do you think the big difference between the G League and those overseas leagues is to the point that you feel like the G League might be a more beneficial route to really get 
yourself closer to that NBA level? Yeah, I would say there's pros and cons of both. You know, Nico Mannion, when he signed in Italy, he signed for seven figures, mm. right? And it's like he can sign for seven figures in Italy and play right away, probably get 20 a game, or he could, you know, probably go back to the Warriors on a minimum deal. Half of the season we're probably spent in the G League again. And, you know, with Clay coming back and, you know, Steph just being Steph, it's like he's only going to get so much, so many minutes in the NBA. Um, and so to tell you the truth, if I'm, I know people criticize Nico because he was only one year out of college. Mm-hmm. He's still only 21 years old, you know. Uh, a guy like him probably play a couple years in Italy, make seven figures every year, then come back to the NBA when he's a little bit more developed and probably be a better player as well. Um, but as far as being in the G League, you know, the money certainly isn't there for a lot of these players. You know, the base salary is $35,000, and then if you're a two-way player, you're you're on a $125,000 contract, and then that's more depending on how many um, how many NBA games you're playing in. So the base salary for a two-way is 125 Then if you play, like, you know, 20 NBA games, it'll probably be, like, close to a million or, you know, in that range or whatever. Um, but, you know, the thing about being in the G League is that you're right there being watched by people within your your NBA organization, right? So mm-hmm. if you're playing for the OKC, OKC Blue, you're being watched game in and game out by people who are working for the Thunder. You know, if you're Alizé Johnson and you're playing for the Raptors 905, you know, you're, you're being watched by not only the Raptors staff, but probably, you know, the Nets staff too who called them up, right? And so you know, you're, the access to the NBA is that you're right there. Whereas in the if you're overseas, it's like, oh, yeah, he's balling overseas, but we got to – get him out of his contract overseas and then we got he's got to come all the way over here it's a little bit more of a hassle so monetary wise i think in the short term yeah you know they'll make more money overseas but as far as like actually achieving the overall dream of playing the nba i feel like the g league might give them a better chance at this moment and we're talking about the the g league the route to go to the nba because i think i think the best example of that is the g league ignite team and especially with the success of players like Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga, who were both top 10 picks in, in the past NBA draft, it was so interesting to see that this was an experiment in its first year that now looks like could be coming a full-time thing. So what are your thoughts, Jeffrey, on the G League Ignite team? And do you believe it's a good thing for the G League? Yeah, I think it's a great thing for the G League. Tell you the truth. There's just so many people that only follow the Ignite team, you know, and uh, which is, you know, I, I would, I think it's great that you know, the eyes are on the G League for the first time for a lot of these people, but it'd be great if they follow the guys who are, you know, four years in college and trying to grind the same way. But the Ignite team has been great in terms of the exposure for the league. And, you know, you're right. Um, a lot of these guys, you know, we're going to make the NBA in Anyways, like Kamingo's going to be in the league whether he went to college or not. Um, Jalen Green was going to be a top five pick whether he went to college, G League, and now there's the overtime league, you know. But the G League, yeah, it's been super inventive in the way that they've uh, that they've structured the G League night team. Um, it's really, to tell you the truth, it's part of the G League, but it's not really in terms of like they don't play a full schedule, right? A lot of it is just like personal and player development. So most of it is just training. Um, they take like development courses they take um um financial literacy courses you know what i mean so it's and then they play like maybe 20 20 or so games in the actual g league against g league teams right so 
it's um it's good for these guys because they get to make a ton of money in the short term. You know, Jalen Green signed for five hundred thousand uh, dollars. Scooter Henderson, who just signed, signed a two year deal for a million dollars, and he's seventeen years old. So it's giving these guys the opportunity to make a lot of money, um, get professional development from NBA level coaches. And then also one thing about the Ignite that people don't talk about is like they think it's 15 guys on a team who are all young prospects, all five-star recruits, 18 years old. But half of the team are veterans, you know, guys who have played in the league 10-plus years in the league, whether it's Jared Jack or Amir Johnson or other even G League veterans, you know, and so or even veterans that have played overseas and barely in the NBA, guys who are just mature and have been around the game and have experienced the ropes and stuff like that. And so, you know, it's – in my opinion, it's more of a mentorship program on and off the court more than it is like, um, you know, a league of to showcase these guys' talents. It's more just like getting these guys ready for the next step, which is eventually going to be the NBA. Yeah, I definitely think people were not zeroing in on the Brandon Ashleys of the world on that G League Unite team. <laughs> for sure, definitely one of those tricky things. Jeffrey, I got a really interesting question for you as a DMV guy. You know, we're all from this DMV space, and one of the guys in this draft, specifically talking about the G League Unite that really stood out for, you know, our area is Isaiah Todd, right? Gets right. taken with the 31st overall pick just barely outside the first round. But a guy who initially, if everybody remembers, committed to Michigan prior to this. This is a team that ended up, you know, making the Elite Eight, had Hunter Dickinson, who arguably should be in the preseason top, uh, you know, top five in terms of the Big Ten coming into this next uh, college year that we have. For a guy like that, right, and Dacian Nix, I think, falls into this category, too, so I want to get your, your thoughts on both of these guys. For guys who, you know, Dacian Nix was committed to UCLA, you know, a final four team. Um, so for two guys like that, where you see the, the team that they committed to their, their later success. And of course, 2020 hindsight is a tricky thing, right? But for two guys like that, does that make you have any, any doubts or any, you know, stray thoughts about the G League Ignite program in terms of, you know, what kind of players should be permitted to join the team as opposed to maybe, you know, limiting, you know, the type, type of guys that they get in or maybe uh, the college game now with the NIL, maybe more guys maybe switch back to the, the college route. How do you feel about these guys who maybe don't blow up the way Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga did? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. You know, the biggest thing, I think it just depends on, like, what you value, right? If you're in the G League, do you value the guaranteed $500,000 to a $1 million you'll be getting, right, and the opportunity to, to learn from pro players? Or, you know, some players would rather take the college experience. I, for me, to tell you the truth, I think that one year of college, maybe even two years of college, is actually beneficial for a kid. And it's going to be a ton of fun. You'll have the time of your life, especially being a star athlete. Now with the new NAL, you'll make a ton of money too. Um, and I always wonder, for a guy like Dacian Nix and Isaiah Todd, would they have been better off going to college, you know? Um, I mean, Isaiah got drafted 31. He had a decent season in the G League with the Ignite. He had, it, it was okay. Um, he showed flashes of, like, you know, his ability to step out, his ability to, to play three positions. Um, he had a game winner towards the end of the season at the buzzer, right? So he had a okay season, but I always wonder, like, if he went to Michigan, learned from Juwan Howard, went to a top 10 program, you said they made the Elite Eight, right? Mm -hmm. And blew up in the NCAA tournament, right? All it takes is, like, 
two or three good games. And same with Deshaun Nix. If he went to UCLA, had a, you know, a really good run in NCAA tournament, everyone's like, whoa, this guy can really hoop. You know, same way we saw with Johnny Juzang uh, for UCLA. And it's like, yeah, I wonder sometimes would they have been better off going to college, getting that exposure. Um, and the crazy part about the, the draft is all it takes is like two games in the tournament for you to have all this hype, you know? The unfortunate part about the G League last year was that it was only a 15-game season, yeah. right? And so it was like the, the season started a month later. No kidding, a month later it was over, right? And before you know it, these guys are playing on the court and, you know, you see them for a couple weeks and it's like, oh, well, we'll see you in summer league, you know what I mean, which is like six months later, right? So, yeah, it's crazy because they didn't, they didn't get that much opportunity to play. Um, the season was super short and same with Jalen Green and Kaminga. Like, yeah, they, they're, I guess they're technically been pros for a year, but their pro season was as short of a pro season as you'll ever see, you know? So, yeah, I do think that they would have actually been a little bit more beneficial. Another one that, that, um, kind of goes on the radar is Principal Singh, who was the number one Indian prospect, and he came over to the Ignite team with a good amount of hype, especially from India, and he only scored five points all year, barely got any playing time. And so a guy like him, it's like, yeah, I mean, would he have been better off going to college or maybe staying in India? Because now he's at a, a weird crossroads where what he didn't get drafted. He wasn't even on the draft radar. He played summer league, barely played. And what's he going to do, go back to the G League? Not the Ignite team, but maybe get picked up by an, an, uh, an NBA G League team franchise, right? Maybe he'll go play with the Blue Coats, who knows, or something like that, right? Um, and same with, I guess, going back to Dacian Nix. You know, Dacian Nix also wasn't drafted. So he wasn't drafted. Um, he plays Sixers Summer League. Now he's signed with the Rockets. But does he make the team? If he doesn't make the team, does he go to the Viper, right? And so, yeah, it's a it's a sticky situation. I think we people always look at two guys. They always look at Jalen, and they always look at Jonathan Kaminga, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, that's a standard of what the Ignite team is, but that's not everybody on the team, right? There's all these other guys that are going in the second round or maybe going undrafted. And so what do we do with those guys? Because after that one year, they're kind of stuck in a hole. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll see this year um, if that happens again. But I, I could see that definitely being an issue where they kind of just, you know, they, they played one year in the Ignite team. It didn't go as well as they had planned, and they kind of fall off a little bit. And they have to uh, develop a, a system where they're probably playing in the G League another two years or so before they get an NBA call up. Yeah, and I'm glad that you mentioned like the discrepancy people have when it comes to the G League night team. Like, there's Jalen, there's Jonathan as like that that measuring stick that everybody leans to. Then there's Isaiah Todd, who you could argue may be more realistic as like you know a bottom half of the first round. Um, early second round guy. You have Dacian who went undrafted. Then you have a guy like Kai Soto, and like you mentioned beforehand, the Indian prospect as well, who weren't even in the mix in terms yeah. of this past draft class as well. So the 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 fact that you know it's such a polarizing league, and it's only been around for about a year, and this is something that's going to take some time to really get a gauge of. But it just goes to show you that developmental leagues like this and overtime elite and uh, other groups like this fall into the same category. It's going to take a little time for us to really get a beat on whether or not this turns, you know, 17, 18 year old kids into like legit pros before they hit the pro game. So, I mean, I'm so glad that you touched on that because I do feel like all the eyeballs go to Jalen and Jonathan, but people do not realize that this was not like a all hits 
you know, group in terms of this, in terms of this first crop of guys we had. That leads me to one of my other questions about the G League night, and it has to do with this 2022 season. There were two guys in particular that didn't go the G League route, um, of like, you know, star stature that I want to get your thoughts on, and that's Imani Bates and Jalen Duran. Um, the weird part about these two is they're on two totally different trajectories, despite the fact that they both ended up on the same squad. Jalen Duran, they say, you know, the man's man, the guy who probably should have either went to like the NBL or like G League Ignite right out the way, a guy who could probably be a pro today and okay. chose Memphis. And then you have Imani Bates, who based on his birthday, couldn't even be a pro next season. It would have to be two years in college or, you know, one year in Memphis. And, you know, maybe he could do a year at the G League Ignite afterwards. How do you feel about those two guys, not only as prospects, but in terms of them choosing college over the G League, because that was interesting to me. Um, they still got Jaden Hardy, which I thought was a pretty tough, tough pickup. Yeah. But I thought it was really interesting that these two guys not only chose not to go to the G League Ignite, which I felt like both of them would have fit really well in, but they chose Memphis in particular. Yeah, that's a great question, too. You know, the thing about the Ignite team is, like, when you stack so many five-star prospects, I wonder if it's, like, there's almost too much talent, young talent on this team, right? <laughs> and so it's, like, if they got every five-star prospect in the world, every five-star is thinking that, that they're going to go to the team and average 20 points a game, right? And right. it's just not going to happen on the Ignite. Like, you know, Dacian was a five-star, averaged eight points a game. You know what I mean? Or eight, five, and five. So he, he filled off the stat sheet a little bit. And, you know. Isaiah Todd was a five-star, averaged 10 points a game, you know, and then you have, like, the Kamingas and Jalen's who are averaging maybe a little bit closer to 20, but I wonder if Amani was looking at the situation of being like, you know, we already got, we already got Jaden Hardy, right, we already got Scooter Henderson, you know what I mean, so um, he's looking at that and being like, you know, Scooter's going to want to get 20, right, Jaden's going to want to get 20, Where's where am I, where do I fit on this team, whereas I can go to Memphis, Right, where they have a good amount of talent, um, but I don't have to worry about sharing shots and sharing the limelight as much. Like I know I'm going to go to Memphis to be the star, where I can go to the United team and have to share the load with all these other guys who are also only been stars in their team and are expecting to be one and done. So, to say the truth, like, and now with the ability to make money, he can make the same amount of money he did in the G League as he's going to do at Memphis, and. Learning from Penny is no slouch either. Learning from Rasheed Wallace is, is probably going to be great for him. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's going. That's another thing is that when you go to these top-tier college programs, you're going to a pro program in itself. You know, like mm-hmm. the way Penny runs his program is probably the same way a pro team runs their program. The same way John Calipari runs his program. It's probably the same way that, you know, any good coach in the NBA runs their program, right? So, like, I don't think there's that much drop-off. And then, like I said, in a year, he can, he'll probably enter the draft and, you know, and be in the NBA and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it just, with the ability to make money now, it's, I don't know how much of an advantage the G League has, uh, compared to last year. You know, if you would ask me last year if I could take a guaranteed 500K now or go to college and have to fight over the fact that if a coach pays, buys me a sandwich, that might get reported, right? <laughs> You know, with the ability for them to make six, seven figures now, I just don't see as much of an incentive for these guys to go the Ignite route. Um, although I hope they do. It would be great for the G League. 
But yeah, mm-hmm. college basketball is going to get a lot of these prospects who probably before were going to go the ignite or over over or, or the overtime route. So we're talking a lot about the younger players on this G League Ignite team, and of course you mentioned with Emmy Bates and Jalen Durant going to Memphis. I think that NIL endorsement deals are going to be an incentive that kind of pulls these younger players toward the college route rather than the G League route. But just focusing more on the G League team itself, the G League Ignite team itself, who's a player in your mind, Jeffrey, that you think could have a Jalen Green-type impact? Oh, it's def- it's definitely Jaden Hardy. It's mm-hmm. definitely Jaden Hardy. I mean, he was the number two. He was number one guard in, in class of 2021, um, number two overall ranked player. He's as close to a Bradley Beal as we've seen, you know. I know they've compared Jalen Green to Bradley Beal, but, you know, Jalen Green is more of like a, um, a streaky shooter, whereas Jaden Hardy is absolutely knocked down. And we're talking about, you know, 35 feet. You guys should Google some of his highlights. I mean, he, the, he's stepping out from near midcourt, draining threes. I mean, the, the confidence it takes to have to take those shots and stuff like that is immense. So he's going to be a guy that I think comes on the scene next year, averages 20 right away, and then competes for the uh, number one overall pick. And then another interesting prospect, is, like I said before, is like Scooter Henderson, him being 17 years old, him being the youngest pro ever. And he's 17 years old, and he already has a million-dollar contract, you know? So he's actually going to spend the next two years with the Ignite team. And he's a guy that, you know, probably next year will be a little bit of growing pains because he is supposed to be a high school senior, so he's a year younger than everybody else. But by the time the next year starts, he'll probably be the face of that team. You know, so probably not next year um, because he won't be, even be draft eligible. But the following year, his second year in the G League, I could see him going for you know 20 points a game, being a top five pick. And then there's another guy that doesn't get talked about. There's two other guys that don't get talked about as much. And one is Michael Foster. Um, he's six seven. He's two fifty. He's built like a horse. I mean, a guy like him. He's been compared to Julius Randle. And they, last year in high school, he averaged like 30 and 18. You know, and some of these high school numbers are astounding. I mean, like. Uh, Jane Hardy averaged 39 and 8, right? So I'm at 30 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, right? So these guys were just filling it up. But uh, Michael Foster's a guy that, you know, has an NBA body already, um, has a nice jump shot, is super, unbelievably explosive. Um, and so he's a guy to watch out for. And then one guy that is kind of flying under the radar is Dyson Daniels, who's an Australian prospect. He was the number two Australian prospect behind Josh Giddy. And so... Dyson is a guy who loves loves getting downhill, thrives in transition, great size for a guard being around 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, and so he's projected, I think he was projected top 20 in the 2022 NBA draft. So he's, you know, they're just loaded with guys who are going to be first rounders within the next uh, one or two years or so. And I think it's interesting with the amount of young talent that they have that some of the older talent that they have is almost pushed off to the side. Like we talked about Jared Jack and Amir Johnson as guys who came into the G League Ignite team. And Jared Jack had, in his first game, more points than Jonathan Kaminga and Jalen Green combined. (laughs) And then Amir Johnson was just kind of another veteran presence on this team. But then you also look at other teams like the Santa Cruz Warriors who had Jeremy Lin making an NBA comeback and then Nick uh, Nick Stauskas on the 905 Raptors. So... Who is a player that, should I say, who's a former player that you would love 
to see in the G League, whether it's in the G League Ignite team or just on another G League team? Oh, yeah, that's that's a good one. You know, there's there's so many. And last year, the G League draft, Michael Beasley entered the draft. Uh, Lance Stevenson entered the draft. And for whatever reason, these they, they weren't selected. When they put their names in, I was like, oh, it's guaranteed that these guys will get drafted. I think that there was an issue with commitment. Like, these teams didn't know if they were actually committed to actually to playing in the G League. Right, or would they find a more lucrative deal overseas, take that, and then they would have just wasted a pick, right? So that was the reason why I believe those guys weren't picked up because they entered their name and I was like, could you imagine Lance Stevenson in the G League? Or could you imagine Michael Beasley in the G League? Um, but there's you know quite a few, like Monte Ellis is looking to make a return and I, he's working out with the Lakers this week. I mean, I was like, hey, listen, if he doesn't make the Lakers, put him on the South Bay Lakers, right? If he can really prove that if he if he can really still play at the NBA level despite not playing since 2017, heck, he could probably go to South Bay and average 20 right now, right? So put him on South Bay, let him see what he can do for a few games. If he's good enough, call him call him up, right? Um, a guy like him, I would just you know be in all of. I would love to see Jamal Crawford and Joe Johnson play on either the Ignite team or Joe Johnson recently just said he just you know finished playing in the Big Three, won the MVP for the second time in a row. Well, I guess they didn't have in 2020, so second time overall. And um, he said he's not done pursuing the NBA, right? We've seen Baron Davis do. We've seen Nate Robinson do with Emeka Okafor. Like, the, there's been tons of guys who have had really astounding careers in the NBA who have said, you know what, I want to make one more run at it. I'm going to go to the G League, see what, you know, prove these guys what I still have, right? I would love to see Joe Johnson go on a roster, be a mentor for these young guys who are 20 years old, fresh out of college, Need a guy like that who scored 20,000-plus points in his career, you know, want to learn from the ropes of an OG, right? And then can still play, right? Can still really hoop. Same with Monte. You know, Monte, having played 10-plus years in the league, what, he has like 18,000 career points. I mean, the stories and the free game that he'd be getting these young guys who are fresh out of college is probably unlike anything they'd ever get before in their careers. Um, And then on top of that, they can still hoop. Michael Beasley, too. And so I would just love to see these guys, even if it's um, another one that's been tossed around is Kenneth Freed, right? Kenneth Freed played for the Blazers in the summer league. He's looking for a job. I know he's been working out for a few teams. He also worked out for the Lakers. Man, just put him on a G League team, watch him get 10 rebounds, show that he still has like that manimal hustle in him, right? And yeah, if he if he produces, then give him a shot. And so... Yeah, there's a lot of guys that I would love to see in the G League. There's one guy in particular that I didn't mention yet who I would love to see. I just don't think it's ever going to happen is Isaiah Thomas. You know, if IT played in the G League, he would, I mean, all eyes would be on the league, right? Whether he scores 10 points a game or 25 points a game, which I probably think he'd, he'd average, um, he would take the popularity of the league to a new level. You know, a guy who's so who the world is so fixated on this guy making it back to the league. And they'd follow his journey from the moment he put on a G League jersey, right? So I don't think he'd do it. I think it's more of like a pride thing, right? He already said that he would never play in the big three. Um, he They announced recently that there were some over team see, or overseas teams that are interested in him. He said he has no interest in going overseas. So I highly doubt that he'd be interested in playing in the G League. But it'd be, to me, revolutionary for his career. Right, the same way it could have been for a guy like, like even like Stephon Marbury. If, if the G League was a little more popular back in the day, I feel like Steph would have gone to the G League as opposed to China. Now China worked out great for him, right? 
But I could see a guy like him being like, you know what? The the G League has so many benefits. We're right there associated with the NBA team. I'm going to give this a shot. And so I would love to see Isaiah take that same route. I just don't think it's ever going to happen. Man, if Jeffrey got an, a, an expansion draft team to himself, he's be, he's built himself a squad over here, bro. <laughs> I mean, he's got himself a group. I mean, some of these names that he listed off just got me a different kind of hype. Monte yeah. Ellis, I think, would be huge. Last time we saw him, I think it was in Dallas. Yeah. Um, really would love to see him. Hoop used to be a 2K favorite of mine once upon a time, too. Uh, Kenneth Fareed, man, I thought that whole uh, situation with the Trailblazers during the uh, during summer league was so interesting just by the mere fact that those guys were on the floor. I think Kenneth Fareed would be a really interesting pickup, too. And then, most importantly, like you said, I mean, guys like Joe Johnson and IT, more so IT in terms of the popularity of the G League being expounded upon when you bring in a guy of that caliber. But just interesting guys like that that can tell you what, like, you know, the kind of game they have to they have to have. A guy like Joe Johnson in particular, like, think about the different kind of roles that he's had between Phoenix, Atlanta, um, his time playing with the DBT as well, the big three. I mean, the dude never stops hooping, first of all. This is, this is to get it clear. I don't think that the G League would be anything above him by any means. The dude just wants to hoop. So right. I would love to see that that kind of that kind of group. Shoot, either they play mentor or put them in their own little eight-man rotation. I, I'm sure they'll be in the mix for the playoffs down there in the G League. Uh, Jeffrey, I have a question um, about some of the current guys um, in the G League right now. We talked a lot about the G League Ignite and everything like in regards to them and, you know, the uptick of them. But talk about some of the guys that you've liked watching over the last couple of years in the G League in terms of just like the progression of talent you've seen come through that through that developmental program. Yeah, you know, there's been so many. Um, the, one of my favorites over the last three three years or so has been Dusty Hannes, who played for the Memphis Hustle, and then last year he was over with uh, Jordan Poole and Jeremy Lin on the Santa Cruz Warriors. And he's a guy, he's you know a little bit undersized, like around six one or so. Um, in not necessarily like the prototypical like point guard, uh, but in terms of just shooting, he's as good of a shooter as anybody in the G League NBA. He's now he's playing Australian NBL. He's as good as anybody in the world at just launching bombs. I mean he. I just never seen a guy kind of like the way with Jaden Hardy, you know. Jaden Hardy so confidently pulls up from maybe two or three steps in from half court, right? And the confidence and repetition it takes to be able to take those shots is just amazing. He does it with such ease, Dusty Hanna does. And so he's a guy that I love watching. When he was with Memphis, he was, you know, 20 points per game. Um, actually, it was three years in Memphis, so he was basically 20 points per game all three years. And then he had a couple of call-ups with the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, a couple of others that I enjoyed were Tahir McCall, who was second last year in Defensive Player of the Year voting. He is a guy that's just super gritty. He's gonna, he's not gonna wow you with the box score, probably get 10 points, 7 rebounds or so, but is as aggressive as the, of a defender as anybody in the G League with, you know, um, led the Lakeland Magic, who were the champions last year and charges taken. So I just love, like, these guys like Tahir who were just super gritty. You know, what they lack in, maybe talent they make up for in just heart um and so a guy like him i, I love I, I mentioned alizé johnson before you know a guy who was 20 points and 14 rebounds for three straight years in the g league and then finally got he had you know stints with the pacers before didn't get much run and then last year with the nets 
was called up to the league and then had 20 points and I think it was 13 rebounds in his first game and then eventually five or six games later he had that 20-20 game, which is unheard of of a guy who's just being called up from the G League. And then there's a, a lot of hidden gems that have maybe had a couple of NBA call-ups, um, short stints here and there, but haven't really gotten that much run. Another one is Rajon Tucker, who played for the Blue Coats last year. I mean, as athletic as anybody in basketball, but even though his highlights, his dunking highlights are the ones that, you know, get a lot of views and clicks and stuff, he's actually a pretty good all-around scorer. I mean, he, he shoots, you know, you know, close to 40% from three. He's a, he's a great slasher. Um, he, he's actually a decent playmaker and ball handler for his size, too. Um, and another one is who I think is super under the radar could be like uh, a Lou Williams type. It's this guy named Ahmad Caver who's on the Memphis Hustle. He averaged like 16 points a game last year in 22 minutes. You know, so a guy who just – and all, that's off the bench too. So, you know, a guy who could really hop off of any NBA bench and just give you, you know, 10 points in 15 minutes. And that's what it is with the G League and these call-ups. I mean, I talk about it sometimes where the guys who are putting up the craziest numbers – often aren't the ones succeeding in the league. It's a lot of times these guys who fill these little niche these little niche roles or, you know, fill in these gaps of teams who are maybe missing a rebounder or missing a playmaker or a defender, and they come in and they're able to fill these gaps. Um, they're not looking to be the star. They're not looking to shoot 20 times. They're not even looking to shoot maybe 10 times. They, if they get an open shot here, they'll, they'll take it. But, you know, all these NBA teams, they have – primary scorers they have primary ball handlers they just need a guy who's just going to fill a little role and there's so many guys like that in the g league who i think deserve to be called up um haven't yet but if they give another season or so i think a lot of them could get their first chance yeah man i mean another guy that falls into that category of just being a swiss army knife type of dude who can serve men is lucas dort who somehow went undrafted coming out of arizona state has carved himself out um you know a really good spot with the okc thunder and interestingly enough has been like on a pretty team friendly deal you know the last couple of seasons as well but okay uh jeffrey we're gonna we're gonna slowly start transitioning into the nba but i have a personal scouting report request real quick on a guy that i've been keeping up with for a couple of years since high school and that's my guy Jalen Hands um he this is a guy I've been watching him for a while I remember one of his like coveted battles with Colin Sexton in high school once upon a time guy who was pretty solid for a year uh with UCLA as well how do you feel about a guy in Jalen Hands man I feel like his fair shake hasn't come yet but I don't know if that's got more to do with him still need to needing to develop as a jump shooter or if this has more to do with the fact that he just has, hasn't found the right home yet yeah, I think it's a, there's a, a lot of factors that go into Jalen Hands. You know, he's a guy that should have stayed another year in college. I, I just don't like it when these guys think they automatically have to be one and done. You know, mm -hmm. another one was Moses Brown, who played with Jalen at UCLA, you know. Moses had, like, an okay freshman year. Everything average like, eight points or something like that, like eight and eight or something. But, yeah, it's like you're not ready for the NBA yet, right? You're 7'2", um, your mobility is an issue. Um, your strength is an issue despite your height, and he shot like 40% from the free throw line, yeah, you're not ready to be in the NBA yet. And I think Jalen, you know, these guys, they're just so obsessed with just being like, okay, I'm going to go to college for one year, then I'm league bound, right? And they could really much afford going one more year of, and having that development system. Um, but, yeah, Jalen, I think the biggest thing is like the fact that his, yeah, you're right, his jump shot is spotty um, as – 
as a guard, I think that his um, a lot a lot of things that have been in the question is like his decision making. You know, they want him to be a playmaker and the primary ball handler, but does he is he um, as equipped of being a floor general as it needs to be to be at the NBA level, even at the G League level? Like he showed decent floor general skills, but it wasn't quite there yet. So he has some holes in his game that he I think he needs to develop. He played decently well in the summer league, though. You know, yeah, I know it's only six games. So it's a really small sample size. But, yeah, he's a guy that could afford to, you know, should have stayed one more year in college. Probably it's going to be a good thing for him to be back in the G League. I think this year um, I would hope to see him back in the G League again. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I want to see him in the league. He does have to fix those two glaring holes first. But yeah, he, he really does have all the skills. I mean, he has the speed to, to be in the NBA. He has the athleticism to be in the NBA. It's just all those little things, those intangibles are probably holding back a little bit. Yeah, definitely a big fan, Jalen. It's just been one of those things where I've just been so, like, worried about whether, like, whether or not he can put it all together. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. one of those things where I think as a guy who's can, competed really well with some of these up-and-coming guards – um, across the league from a similar draft class as him. It's just like, I felt like he was one of those guys that was really ready coming out of that group. And maybe, like you said beforehand, maybe with, with a one and done mentality, he always kind of came off as that guy, um, coming out of high school as well. So maybe that kind of, maybe the idea of that beat him to the punch in terms of having to kind of like, force the development on him but i definitely can't wait to see if uh see what he does moving forward i'll be paying attention to him pretty heavily because that's a guy as a guy i've been watching for a little while yeah i would love to see jalen in the league i mean i think if you look because you'd mentioned his battle with colin sexton before if you look at colin's body colin has since high school he's really put on some muscle Mm -hmm. you know and jalen looks the same as he did in high school i'm not saying that Mm -hmm. he hasn't been you know, working out or whatever, I'm sure he has. But in terms of, like, his body structure, you know, I think Colin probably put on a good 15 pounds of muscle, right? And that's helped him uh, compete at the NBA level where these guards are a lot more physical, whereas Jalen, he, he's probably still around, like, the 175 range in terms of weight. You know, if he can put on another 5, 10 pounds of muscle or so, it probably help. it probably work in his favor as well. Yeah, man, I think that, you know, the G League has just been such an interesting uh, grouping in terms of stuff. Ryan, I know that you wanted to talk a little about a little bit about Summer League before we get into some quick hitters with the NBA. Uh, what's some of the stuff that you want to talk to Jeffrey about re- re- regarding that? Because I think that the Summer League featuring so many of those G League prospects, it'll just, it, it kind of all sets us up for what the G League season could look like. What was some of the stuff that you wanted to talk about? Man, Jeffrey, this Summer League was amazing. I think especially considering that they didn't have the Summer League in 2020, there wasn't a lot of room for guys to shine. But then we also saw a lot of players get the spotlight, and they made use of it. Like guys like Hassani Gravett from the Orlando Magic Summer League team, Lou King from the G League team in uh, New York, and then one that helped win the championship with the Sacramento Kings in the Summer League. So who are some players that you looked at in the Summer League that could be big-time players in the NBA. Yeah, you know, you mentioned, too, right there, with, like, Hassani being a guy who uh, was with the Lakeland Magic a couple years ago, played overseas last year, came back, and really made the most of his time with the Orlando Magic in the summer league. I think he had 18 points in his final game in, like, 21 minutes. And then Luke King winning summer league MVP. 
another guy who I think is and the, also Luke King had like 29 points I think it was in the final game of the season after he got called up to the Kings um, from the Westchester Knicks. Uh, a couple more are on that Kings team was Emmanuel Terry, who Emmanuel is as as energetic as any player in the G League in terms of like their hustle, their their box out rate, um, their ability to just crash the rebounds and get all like the fifty fifty loose balls. I mean, he's really if you want to talk about Kenneth Fareed, he's a younger version of Kenneth Fareed. He's a guy that I root for because he came from the D two level, right? And so it's really kind of more rare to see like these D2 and then and also D3 guys make the NBA. But he's a guy that can hop off of any bench. In the Summer League Championship game, he had 15 rebounds um, in that game. He only had like four points or whatever. It wasn't that many points, but he was just a monster on the boards. And he can hop off any team's bench right now and probably get, you know, eight eight rebounds in 15 minutes um, on any on any NBA team. So a guy like him, a, guy, a, a big man that's Flown under the radar that I think has developed quite nicely over the last few years is this guy named Simi Shitu, who played for uh, the Windy City Bulls, the Westchester Knicks, and then he's had a couple of um, preseason stints as well with the Chicago Bulls, but he played for the Bulls again in the uh, Summer League this year, had a really nice showing. His per 36 minutes was like 18 points and 17 rebounds a game. You know, a lot of these guys in Summer League, they're working with limited time. Uh, so he was playing maybe like 15 minutes, getting close to seven, eight rebounds a game in 15 minutes. And so he's a guy that is a, a solid rebounder, can finish in the paint, um, a really good playmaker for a guy his size. You don't see too many power forwards with his passing ability. Uh, has to work on his range. His range isn't very good as of right now. But he's a guy that I could see in the next year or so get his first call up uh, in the NBA. And then a guy who didn't necessarily play summer league, but people have been watching out for. You guys remember Miles Powell from Seton Hall? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Right. He, he's on it. Okay. Go ahead, Jeffrey. He's on it right Miles now. Miles was a guy that he didn't – he had knee surgery. Yes, he didn't play some league, was supposed to. Um, and he had just announced on his Instagram that he's working his way back after a long six months of rehab, you know. And a guy like him last year, I was convinced, was going to be on the NBA roster. You know, he would have he would have been in the summer league mix, too of top performers if he hadn't gotten hurt. And, uh, you know, he was averaging 18 points off the bench for the Westchester Knicks, was shooting 45% from three. I mean, he was doing this in like 23, 24 minutes a game. And he got called up to the Bucks on that two-way, but then he had that whole situation with that the torn meniscus not being properly healed. They end up cutting him and signing Axel Tufan, which is crazy because if he would have stayed with that two-way, he would have won a championship. Miles Powell would have. Um, but he's another guy that, you know, is on is on my radar of guys like if he can come back to the to the to the player that he was before the injury, where he's getting 20 points per game in in such limited minutes, um, with ease at at, at that, um, I could see him being in the, on the NBA roster next year too. But yeah, there's a lot of guys, whether in summer league or G League um, or or just G League guys that maybe didn't didn't play summer league or even didn't start at summer league that I think could get call ups. Um, because it's weird. There's a lot of guys that played well in the G League season, and then went to the Summer League, they didn't play as well, right? And so I was like, oh, you know, if anything, if you would have, you play well in Summer League, that gets people's eyes. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you play well in the G League season, that catches people's eyes. Then you play well in the Summer League, and that's like the icing on the cake, right? And so, in a lot of ways, you need performances in both in order to get that two-way or training camp deal. And so a lot of guys, unfortunately, took step back, steps back with the Summer League, but they're 
there's guys like the ones I just mentioned who use the summer league to really boost their credibility. So let me ask you this as a follow-up because we talk about players trying to go to the NBA as the ultimate goal, but there were a lot of players in the summer league that I could very well see in the G League. I think if you look at the uh, Detroit Pistons roster for the summer league, you could point to Anthony Tark from Coppin State, Luca Garza from Iowa. I think those are two guys automatically that you can think could end up in the G League. I think looking at the Orlando Magic team with Hassani Gravett possibly going back to the G League, but also the interesting storyline around Janice Timma as the 60th overall pick from 2013. Right. I think he could be somebody that ends up in the G League. But who are some players that you look at with, with the summer league teams that you would love to see in the G League again? Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. Uh, Luca, I would love to see him in the G League, and I'm almost certain he will be, even though he balled out during summer league. But that's the thing is that every year there's uh, a handful of rookies that average 20 in the summer league, right? And then people think, oh, they're automatically going to make an impact on their NBA team. It's like, no, they balled out in summer league, and then they'll ball out again in the G League, but then they'll get you know spot minutes in the NBA. Um, so Luca for sure, Bones Highland, I could see you know making a big impact. Uh, for the Grand Rapids Gold this year. And he's a guy that not only is he a fun player to watch, but he's got a really interesting personality. And that's the thing about the G League is that we need great ball players, but we kind of need the personalities too, you know, to, to, to gravitate more fans. So he'd be another good one. Uh, I could also see Cam Thomas, tell you the truth, getting minutes with um, the Long Island Nets this year because even though he was getting 24 in the summer league, it's like, man, on that roster, where are you going to put him? You know, and a guy like him would, could probably benefit from playing 35 minutes a night in the summer league. I'm, I'm sorry, in the G League, and then getting 26 points, which I'm pretty sure he could do easily. You know, and so guys like that, I would, Dennis Timma, I would love to see him in the G League because people, I know the fans would love that. You know, um, I wonder. I know that for a fact that he's guaranteed more money overseas, and so it's like, would he risk? You know playing on a limited uh, limited contract for the one chance of maybe getting called up and living out his NBA dream. You know, who knows? Um, So I'd love to see him, too. Um, Who are some other guys? I would like to see Mac McClung, who is on a a training camp deal with the Lakers right now. There's no doubt in my mind that even if he makes the team, that he'll be in the G League. I think it's 100%. You know, a guy like him who uh, wasn't drafted and you know, probably has a, a little bit of polishing to do on his game as well. So, yeah, guys like that I would I would love to see uh, in the G League this year. And some of those guys can really take the popularity of the league to the next level. You know, every year I, a lot of people were like, oh, you know, how popular is the G League going to be next year without Jay Lynn, without um, uh, KPJ, without Jeremy Lynn? But I'm always like, every year the G League gets – new talent, right? And it's like, we kind of forget about the old guys. It's like, man, the G League won't be the same without Kevin Porter. It's like, oh, I don't know about that. You know, next year we might have, like, Mac McClung. We might have Luca Garza. You know, these guys will fill in those voids in term of, terms of popularity. And, and so, yeah, I could see all those guys being on the list. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that I would really enjoy seeing in the G League. Um, I mean, to say the truth, I would enjoy seeing Dacia Nix in the G League again. You know, he'll probably be on the Vipers this year. And this time around, he won't be surrounded by um, guys who are demanding as much of attention as Jalen Green did and John Kaminga did. So maybe this time around, he, he'll be able to run the show. He averaged 8, 5, and 5 last year on the Ignite. I could see next year him playing for the Vipers and averaging 
you know, 15, 7, and 7, right? A guy like that who's a great rebounder at his size, a great playmaker. Um, and he said, there's a ton of guys. Even, to tell you the truth, even Isaiah Todd, I would not be surprised to see him on the Capital City Go-Go. You know, he's another, he's 19 years old, has a ton of developing to do. He's not ready necessarily for the NBA and to, to play big minutes as of right now, right? So, yeah, him playing 10 or so games in the G League, we could see again. Um, but, yeah, those are probably the main guys. Yeah, see, hey Ryan, if if Isaiah Todd ends up on Capital City, bro, me and you gotta go hit the hit, hit a oh, game once once hey, or twice, bro. Gotta, I was about to say we gotta attend some Capital City games because yes, I, sir. you know, unfortunately couldn't last year, but I mean, I really I try to attend as many as I can in person. Um, and uh, depending on where you guys live, I mean, before the Capital City Go Go became a team uh, a few years ago, I used to go to all the eighty seveners games, mm-hmm. you know, the, or the Blue Coast games, and so. You know, I, I, that's only like, uh, an hour away from my house or so. So a lot of times I would go to the 87ers game on, um, on a Saturday and then the go-go game on a Sunday. You know, it's the whole weekend of just G League. Yeah, man. I mean, we're out here in like the Towson Perry Hall area. So we're not too bad, not too bad at all in terms of trying to get out that way. But, um, I definitely, I think that would be a vibe. One player I do not want to see in the G League next year. And I want to get your thoughts on him real quick. We talked about him a little bit off camera. I do not want to see this man, Paul Reed, play a minute for the Blue Coats. He better be on that Philadelphia 76, 76ers roster. But Jeffrey, all jokes aside, bro, how do, how do you feel about Paul Reed, bro? He's got to be like, he, anything less than NBA, he's got to be the GOAT, right? Yeah, I mean, he had as <laughs> a rookie season as anybody in G League history, really. I mean, very rarely other than, you guys know Tim Frazier? So yes, Tim sir. Frazier, when he was with the Red Claws, um, won MVP and Rookie of the Year in the same year. But, you, you know, you rarely see a rookie come onto the scene like that and just really dominate the league from start to finish. Now, you know, Tim was playing 50 games in the G League. Paul only played 15, right? So it's a much smaller sample size. But there's nothing that tells me that if the season was long, that he couldn't have just kept that up, right? Um, and then not only that, leading his team, to leading the Blue Coats to the championship. I thought they were going to win the championship, but they kind of fell short uh, a little bit in that in that category. Um, but, yeah, Paul, to tell you the truth, it's weird because every year there's a G League MVP, and I'm like, man, if you win a G League MVP, you have no business being in the G League again. But we see it year in and year out where the G League MVP, for whatever reason, uh, gets doesn't you know get the contract they deserve in the NBA, ends up playing back in the G League. Another one is Frank Mason, right? So Frank Mason won the MVP in 2020. Last year he was signed with the Blue Coats, and I was like, how is he on the Blue Coats? You know, this guy just averaged 25 points per game. And then he was with the in the bubble with the. Uh, with the Bucks, and he had like a 19-point game in the bubble. I'm like, there's got to be a way to get him a deal somehow. And he was back in with the Blue Coats. And so, yeah, I, I could see Paul Reed. Unfortunately, I could see him back in the G League, but not as the typical G League player. I could see him as like a guy that maybe they send him down to the G League for a couple games just to get some run, you know, if he's not getting as many minutes on the, on the Sixers. But, yeah, he really has all the tools to be – you know, a guy that gets uh, 10 points and six rebounds a night in the NBA. He kind of reminds me like a younger Amir Johnson, you know, maybe not as explosive in terms of just sheer athleticism, but, you know, just the, their hustle, their ability to finish around the rim, um, their, their knack to get rebounds, right? So a guy uh, to defend the rim as well. So a guy like him, I could see like as an Amir Johnson who played a few stints in the G League before 
he actually caught on with the Pistons um, back when it was the NBDL. So, yeah, he'll be, unfortunately, I do think he'll be back, but not long-term like he was this, this past season. Yeah, man, I'm going to just throw this out to, to Philly Nation right now. This man better eat up Andre Drummond's minutes. I'm telling y'all, you you will get a treat in Paul Reed. But speaking of the NBA, Jeffrey, ain't no way in the world we're going to bring you on this podcast and not talk a little bit about some of the stuff going on up top. And one of the main things that's taking place during this offseason is what we call the Ben Simmons fiasco, right? Okay, so the other day, it was announced from Ben Simmons' camp that he's not going to be attending uh, Philadelphia 76ers training camp at all. This is a guy who is definitely trying to put his money where his mouth is or I guess get his money taken in 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 uh, return for what his mouth is saying. In this case, it's the fact that it seems like this is a – this is a done deal, right? It seems like it's just a it's a win, not a if. Um, where do you stand on the entire Ben Simmons fiasco going all the way back to, you know, the quote unquote blown layup uh moving forward to just where Ben Simmons is now? How do you feel about him as a player, his situation, just everything Ben Simmons from your perspective? Yeah, you know, Ben is in a crazy situation. It's so weird to see like as a sports fan when the city, a certain city or fan base loves you so much and then in the blink of an eye right they they just turn it now now it's not like they didn't turn him for no reason i mean there was a big reason his lack of improvement every year his unwillingness to 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 sort of want to improve his lack of accountability um i remember last year when they lost to the hawks he did say that he had to be better and that he put the loss on him. But any time before that, when you asked him about his jumper, he would just always deflect the question. You know what I mean? And, and every offseason, they went through the same thing. It's like, are you going to develop the jumper, the jumper, the jumper? I mean, people are right when they say that he's got so many aspects of his game that um, are super beneficial, that, that he's a lead at, whether it's defense, whether it's playmaking, rebounding. But it's like Joe Lacob brought up a, a good, a good uh, point when he said, can you play him at the end of games? He's like, at this point, I don't know, right? And that's totally true. Can you play him at the end of the games? Um, can you put him at the free throw line? I mean, he shot, what, 40, like 43% from the free throw line in the playoffs last year. So that evidently the answer as of now is no. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know exactly, like, where he's going to go. It, it, it's a weird thing because he's handling the situation um, the same way James Harden was handling the situation. And he said – and then there was reports that he thought that James Harden acted unprofessionally, right? And so it's kind of weird to see, like, oh, you know, just a couple months ago, he said that his camp said that he's not going to hold out because the way that James went about his situation was unprofessional. But now he's doing the same thing. Actually, maybe James did the better thing because James actually showed up to camp. He actually was playing. It's just that he was complaining while he was playing. Um, so I don't know which one is worse, uh, Ben just not showing up at all or James being – Kind of in being there, but being a nuisance. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I I typically feel sympathy towards athletes. To tell you the truth, in a weird way, because you know, working for the UMBC team, the men's team and the women's team, like you know, you see like the the day in and day out um, how hard it is to be an athlete, right? And you know, the the mental hold it has on you when you're not playing well, right? So a part of me feels a little bit of sympathy towards Ben, but when you're making, you know, $40 million a year and you're the number one overall pick, there's just no excuse for you not to want 
to get better and to improve the one thing that everyone says you need to improve year in and year out, you know? Um, I, I often think to myself, I wonder what he does in the summer. And I used to think the same thing about Dwight Howard. You know, like, yeah, Dwight, it's like, what does he do in the summer? Just lift weights? You know? I mean, because, you know, think about it. Like, what does he just lift weights and work on rebounding drills? Because every year he would come back and he would just be the same player. Like, he would come back with no post moves, right? Like, just all he needs is three post moves that he can go to on a consistent basis that he can be like, okay, uh, I can either go to this or that or that, right? All he needs is to have mastered three. And then he'll be a 20 points per game player year in and year out. But yeah, Dwight just came back every year and he was like the same stiff that he's, that, you know, in the post that he, that he's proven to be throughout the later half of his career. And so with Ben, I'm like, you know, Ben, you look at his Instagram and I know maybe I'm going a little bit too far, but you look at his Instagram and it's all cars, right? It's all cars and him like having fun. I'm like, dude, like, I don't, maybe you're trying to prove that you don't care what the fans are saying, right? Or maybe it's just a slight flex or whatever. But Ben, like, do not be posting cars when you have a city that is at your neck right now, right? I just, I don't know. I just, Ben, he's, and I don't know if he's necessarily going to go to a team and he's going to, are those issues going to be solved? No, right? Is he going to go to the Timberwolves and suddenly he can shoot? No. Is he going to go to the Warriors and suddenly he can shoot? No. So I don't know if, like, even the change of scenery is necessarily the fix for him because he's going to go to that new situation with the same problems. Um, and so, okay. Yeah. So, Jeff, let me ask you this because I, I have a follow-up question. Is that, and then I'm going to swing something to Ryan that I want to get his take on that I saw earlier. But I want to ask you a, first, uh, a question first, Jeffrey. My question to you is, what do you think is a bigger problem for Ben? Do you think the issue is him refusing to take jumpers or do you think it's the lack of aggressiveness? Because I feel like Ben could not take jumpers. And if he just was as aggressive as whenever he played Jared Dudley in the playoffs a couple years ago on right. a nightly basis, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't even complain about Ben not shooting jumpers. Now, the Instagram videos during the summer that shows him shooting threes will make you feel some type of way every season when you see that he only attempts four an entire season or doesn't attempt any at all during the year. But part of me is starting to wonder, especially after seeing Giannis win a championship. And, of course, it comes down to, okay, Giannis is at least willing to shoot the the jumpers, right? But and I understand that. But part of me just wonders if Ben Simmons. You remember how the, how the criticism against Lonzo Ball back when he was in Los Angeles that was that he didn't have the same kind of swag he had at UCLA, right? right. I think Ben Simmons falls into a really similar category i remember watching i think ryan might have sent me like an ig reels a couple months ago of like ben simmons back in montverde and he was just like killing it from every angle and then it seems like ever since he got to philly that that hunger that drive is turned off which which one do you think is more important his aggressiveness as a scorer or his or his just mere attempts as a shooter because i think yeah. there's two separate things yeah, yeah, I think it's certainly a, a certainly both a mixture of both. One thing I would say is like you made a good point with Giannis. Like, the, I think what makes Giannis so great is that he has the memory of like a goldfish, right? So like a goldfish, um, their memory is like ten seconds, right? So you know you you do something whether good or bad, and then you forget about it and you move on. You know, Giannis was Giannis had a game against the Nets in the playoffs where he airballed two free throws in one game. You know, but 
kept attacking the rim and kept going to the line. You know, even it's like even if you can get one out of two, it's like okay, that was a successful trip. I got a point out of it, right? Um, but yeah, it's just a mixture of like his lack of aggression because I would I would respect Ben more if he was super super aggressive, went to the line twenty times, and only made eight. I'd be like, well, at least he's not afraid of going to the rim, right? At least I'm not deterring him from playing his game, even though he went 8 for 20 from the free throw line, which is what probably, you know, is not even disrespectful. I mean, 40% is what he shoots, right? So, like, is so, um, so, yeah, it's like a mixture of the fact that I think that he, once he figured out, once that the shooting issues got into his head, he just, his whole aggression, especially in the playoffs later, towards the end of the Hawks series just disappeared where he wasn't taking any shots. What, whether they're in the paint or, you know, um, from certainly not from three or if it was just, it was just no shots in general. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird because he in a way needs to be like more, more like Giannis in that aspect where listen, like if you make it or miss it, that's not the point. Just don't lose the killer in you. And I know he has a killer in him. I mean, he had that, what, 42 point game against the jazz, mm-hmm. right? Where he went, what was it, like 13 for 14 from the free throw line? You know what I mean? So he has a mean streak in him. He has the ability to make the free throws. Um, it's just, yeah. And the thing about Philly is that Philly is such an unforgiving sports town. You know, they don't want to see or hear about a player dealing with uh, a mental illness or dealing with a lack of confidence. It's like, just like New York, they're super unforgiving in that aspect. Um, and so... Unfortunately, if he was in maybe like a, like Dallas or something like that, I think the fans would be a little more receptive towards those types of excuses. But, yeah, in, in a city like Philadelphia or New York, those just don't fly. Ryan, I got a quick question for you about something related to this because I, there was a little bit of news that dropped a couple hours ago while we were doing our WNBA pod. I kind of want to get your take on it. If you remember – um, me and you sat down with um, our friends of the show, Ian and Brooks, and talked about the statement made at the end of the Atlanta Hawks series related to um, Doc Rivers talking about the idea that he wasn't sure if Ben Simmons could be like a championship level point guard. Right. And it came out earlier that apparently Doc Rivers not only would love to have been back but also that he believes that this team can win with Ben Simmons. So the question I have for you is, Simply, let's let's go back to one of our old segments that we used to have um, early in the ACP days. Cap or no cap, Ryan, that Doc Rivers truly believes that Ben Simmons can be a lead point guard for this Philadelphia 76ers team. I'm smelling a lot of smoke in these trees, bro. I don't see it. I don't see it. Because if we think about how he compares to other point guards in the NBA, I don't think Ben Simmons is a top 10 point guard in the NBA. I would even go as far as to say he may not even be a top 15 point guard in the NBA. But there is, there's so much he has to work on. His aggressiveness, like you mentioned it in your question, Jalen. His shooting has always been a problem. I just don't know where he goes from here, especially with the blown layup, him not being able to be clutch for the 76ers in those moments. That probably was the final straw for the 76ers, and especially with a fan base that is, to what Jeffrey mentioned, so unforgiving. Let me kind of transition something to Jeffrey for a second, because you may think this question might be funny, Jalen, but I I actually mean this seriously, because 
there is a real possibility that Ben Simmons may not be on an NBA team to begin this season, considering that if he doesn't show up to training camp, he's going to be fined and probably suspended. In all honesty, Jeffrey, is there a chance that Ben Simmons ends up in the G League? <laughs> you know, that would be so funny. I would say there's there's no chance because a guy like him would be same thing with IT. Like he'd just be too prideful to do it, you know. But that would be so funny if he was if he was like, you know, just to stay in shape, I might as well just go to the G League get some run. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I I couldn't see it happening, but it would be the coolest thing in the world if Ben Simmons actually went to the G League if he was just like, yeah, I just want to like stay sharp so when I officially get traded. But then you got to think to yourself, like, would the Sixers allow Ben Simmons to play for the Bluecoats? That's right? a good question. Would they be like, you know what I mean? Like, Because there's benefits of it, right? The benefit is that he takes the Bluecoats' popularity to a next level, whereas Bluecoats, they might be selling like 1,000 tickets, 1,500 tickets a night. You know, he'd be maybe there'd be no way that there'd be uh, an un, um, an empty seat in that arena. You know what I mean? So like he, the popularity of their of their G League team would go to heights that were previously unimaginable. But then again, it's like no, if you're like stay the heck away from our entire franchise, even if it's our G League team. I feel like they'd say that because I also feel like the possibility that he ends up in the NBL where he's from in Australia. And that was that was a real possibility that I was considering because of the fact that the trade value for what the Sixers are asking for, I'll just put it in, in the lightest terms possible, it's outlandish. Four okay. first-round picks for Ben Simmons, I don't think it'll happen. Yeah, I was going to say, too, you know, even Ben playing in the NBL, like the, the Sixers, there'd be um, a bit of an issue with his contract because it's like he'd still be under contract by the Sixers, Still getting paid by the Sixers, and then for him to sign in the NBL, I, it would have to be like a situation where they'd release him or something, which would never happen, right? They want to get something back for him, but I think he just sits it out and doesn't play, uh, you know, the first fifteen or so games of the season potentially until they can work out a trade for him. Because you know, by by game fifteen, fifteen to twenty, you kind of get a feel of like what are what each team needs, you know, and so. Around that time is when they can reassess and be like, well, we need a guy like Ben, and we can get rid of this piece mm-hmm. and that piece in exchange for him, you know? So I think the, another reason why teams are unwilling to trade for him now is because they want to see how their pieces will work together before they make such a drastic move of that of that measure. So, Jeffrey, if you had to make a, a Nostradamus pick right now before the season started, if you if you had a trade package in mind, what team do you think ends up with Ben Simmons either, you know, before the season starts or at the trade deadline? Who? What team do you think eventually will end up having Ben Simmons on their team? Man, that's – the thing is that I don't, I don't see him going to Portland. I don't see that working out. Um, Joe Lakeup already said that he's not – as at this moment, he's not willing to move a lot of those key pieces in order to get a guy like Ben. He doesn't see how it's going to fit within their system in a weird way. Like I know that Ben Simmons to the wizards had been thrown around a little bit um, for a guy like Bradley Beal. But then again, this team that the wizards have assembled is a decent team in the East, you know? And so blowing it up and, and, and Bradley is a guy who's, I don't know if he actually means it a hundred percent, but he said in the past that he wants to remain on the wizards. You know what I mean? 
Um, and so a guy like him, I would love to see Bradley stay with the Wizards and reap the benefits of all the hard work he's put in. And then they finally have a team of like Montrezl Harrell, Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyle Kuzma. I'd love to see like him reap the benefits of being on the team that drafted him. And after all these tough seasons, being on a squad that's actually good enough to compete. You know, probably not win the East, but they'll be up there within, you know, the probably like the higher ranking playoff teams. And so, yeah, it's really tough, man. I, I think, yeah, 20 games, 15, maybe even 10 games in the season, we can get a better feel of that depending on how these teams are doing, you know. Like if the Timberwolves, the Timberwolves have said something like they, they want to trade for Ben Simmons and be interested, but they don't want to get rid of Anthony Edwards. They don't want to get, get rid of Towns. Um, it's like maybe... 10 games into the year, they're like, okay, we can part with D'Lo, maybe a couple other pieces, and then and then three first-rounders, right? And, yeah, it's like the Sixers get back something they're able to work with. The 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 Timberwolves are able to have, you know, a, a pretty solid big three in Cat, Anthony Edwards, and Ben Simmons. And so, you know, maybe in that situation, both teams benefit. But I think it's just way too early, and they're not willing to pull the plug yet until they see how things work out. Yeah, man, I I really think it comes down to Minnesota and Sacramento. I mean, if they go the Sacramento route, that's got the Chris Webber experience written all over it in terms of, like, what that could be like, not only in terms of maybe him not enjoying um his time initially being in Sacramento. I mean, we all remember the quote where he said he wanted to go to – uh, one of the three LA teams as if there's not four. So we, we could make an assumption as to, you know, what squad was the odd man out in that grouping. But, um, I think that would be really interesting. And then in terms of Minnesota, in terms of all the analysts, it sounds like Minnesota is the one that everybody thinks he fits the, uh, the best on. But, uh, enough with the drama, Jeffrey. I want to, I want to talk about a team that has a lot less drama around it and a lot more excitement. And it's, um, one of the teams that you mentioned to us, um, off camera was one of the teams you'd really be keeping your eye out on and that is the uh the Houston Rockets um a team that had a crazy amount of picks this year um were really lucky honestly uh especially in comparison to their cohort uh cohorts the uh the Oklahoma City Thunder who could have took them all for some draft capital if the, if the uh you know if the ping pong balls rolled a different way um you know Jalen Green uh Alperin Sangoon um, I mean, they got Josh Christopher late, Usman Garuba. This like this is a really interesting team. Uh, apparently, they're working on trade packages that will send John, John Wall and Eric Gordon out uh, Two players who, you know, would definitely soak up some minutes um, if they were on the floor. So I think it's good that they are going to try to, like, sit those guys down. They already have KPJ and uh, Kenyon Martin Jr. What are your thoughts on this this? Rockets rebuild because I don't think anybody after the James Harden trade thought that the Rockets would be able to turn around so quickly and lo and behold you know they really look like they have one of the you know top five you know young cores moving forward in terms of the kind of building blocks they have but how do you feel about them as a squad yeah you know the Rockets are kind of like my favorite team in the league right now tell you the truth um I mean just loaded with picks and you're totally right when they lost James Harden and then also Harden and Daryl Morey, it's like, man, they're losing their star player and then they're losing their main man behind the scenes that is pulling all the strings, you know? And one thing I loved about Daryl Morey was how, like, inventive he was. Even if it didn't result in a championship, like, he was always willing to try new things. Whether it was putting, you know, P.J. Tucker at the five, which ended up blowing up in their face, right? Or, you know, and then going with the entire, you know, entire uh, small ball mode a small ball mode, it's like, 
I love the fact that he was a guy that was willing to like move the needle a little bit in order to compete. Um, and so yeah, I was like, yeah, I don't. I, I looked at the Rockets as like totally irrelevant at that point, you know. Um, I was like, John Wall, where where does John Wall and Demarcus Cousins fit in here? You know, Boogie hasn't played in two years. John Wall hasn't played in three years, right? Um, they have Eric Gordon's contract. He's just eating up millions at this point. So I was like, man, you know, where are the Rockets going? Because there was no, I think that even at that point, they didn't really know what they were doing. They were just kind of like filling in spots. Um, and then they had a gem land in their hands with Kevin Porter, you know, where he had the whole situation with, with Cleveland. And then he goes to the Vipers, dominates with the Vipers. They call him up. And with, you know, it's a small sample size. I think it was only 26 games, but in those 26 games, he really played his tail off. And so, you know, you have him, and then you have um, Christian Wood, who another G League guy who worked his way up from the bottom. And he, last year, would have been, in my opinion, on the fringe of being an all-star had the team been a little bit better and had he stayed healthy because he was a 20-10 and 10 guy. Um, and so, you know, with those two, then you mix in um, Jalen Green, who's going to have the green light right away to basically take 20 shots a game, and then you fill in some other pieces with the rookies, and hopefully Armani Brooks makes the team again, right? And he's a guy that can get you 10 points a game. Uh, Kyrie Thomas was a guy that produced well off the bench last year towards the end of the season. And so it's like, yeah, I don't think that they're going to be in contention for um, you know anything drastic right away. Are they like, I think that there could be a chance where they fight for like the eighth seed. You know what I mean? But in my opinion, it's going to be like the Clippers back when they had uh, Darius Miles and Lamar Odom and Andre Miller, you know, where uh, and Quentin Richardson, where, you know, the team is super exciting to watch. All those guys were like such young, athletic, um, you know, flashy guys to watch. And they put them all on the same team and it made for great highlight reels. But doesn't necessarily result in wins. As of right now, I don't think so. Um, they could be a team that I think could actually even struggle at, at points in the season, and people will be like, oh, you know, you know, the Rockets, they had dropped all these guys, they got all this young talent, what's going on with them? It's going to take them maybe two or three years to develop, right? Uh, you know, Kevin Porter, he's only two years out in the league, and he played one year of college, right? He's only 21 years old. Um, Jalen Green's only 19 years old, you know, and so a lot of these guys are super young, and they haven't really experienced and developed into their bodies, and don't know what it's fully like to be um, a pro, pro, full-time. You know, even Jalen, like we said last year, he only played 15 games in the bubble, and then the season was over, and then he played six, three games, I'm sorry, in the summer league. So he's barely even played over the past, like, year and a half in real, actual, um, you know, legitimate games. And so, yeah, I think it'll take them a couple years, but they're going to be very exciting to watch. Yeah, man. I mean, Kyrie Thomas was low-key like a sneaky pickup for anybody playing fantasy basketball last year um, in terms of the point counts. And then another guy, too, like Jayshon Tate, like he falls under the radar for this team because he's a defensive guy for this squad. But, I mean, he's a guy who I think when he's got scores around him, it makes his job even easier um, on that other side of the floor. And I think he's going to – I hope that he has a little bit of an infectious attitude defensively for the rest of the team because they got athletes. Like you said beforehand, they got the athletes around him where if guys commit on the defensive end I mean Jason Tate is definitely a bookend for them um Jeffrey what I want to ask you about the rookie races I, I feel like everybody's got it kind of penciled in that like you know it's either Cade or Jalen you know in terms of the whole rookie of the year race thing but 
who are like some dark horse rookies that either maybe not even just for the award, but just in general, guys that like if you got NBA league pass and you're like looking for rookies to keep up with, like who are some of these guys that you like really want to keep your eye out on? Like some people that maybe some of the fans might want to like look out for too in terms of this rookie class. Cause there's a lot of interesting guys that uh, came out of the 21 class. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, you know, those are, you're right. Everyone talks about those two, you know, to tell you the truth. Um, I've seen some people saying like, Oh, Kaminga is going to be a star right away, but I think actually kind of the opposite. He could, he's a guy that I could see going through some growing pains and he's on such a loaded team. They have Iggy, they have Draymond, um, Clay's coming back. And so you got to ask yourself, where are the minutes available for a young guy like that who is really a defensive player and is still growing into his game offensively? You know, um, he's not a knockdown shooter by any means. He shot like 25% from three last year in the bubble and then he shot I think it was 63% from the free throw line. So, you know, they, he definitely has some holes that he needs to work out offensively. So, yeah, I don't I don't think that a guy like him is going to be um, able to produce right away like a guy like Jalen will, you know, unfortunately, even though I think really there's a ton of potential for him. But as far as, like, rookies to watch, it's kind of weird because all the rookies that I care about watching are the ones who I think eventually be in the G League, you know? I, I always say, like, my my radar for rookies is different than the average person's radar because I'm looking at rookies and being like, okay, even the ones that are on, like, two ways or um, Exhibit 10 deals, I'm always like, okay, these guys are going to be in the G League, so these are the rookies I'm watching out for, you know? Okay, give or, us some names. Okay, okay. Well, I could see, like, I mentioned before, like, Bones Highland, he, cause he's a guy that's going to come in in the G League and probably average close to 20, you know? Um, Luca Garza is probably going to average 20 in the G League as well. I think there were some other good ones. Um, there were some other good ones who I think could produce. Um, I'm drawing blanks on his name. Who was the guy that did the between the legs dunk in Summer League? Oh, man, Greg Brown? Greg Brown, yeah, Greg yeah. Brown. Greg <laughs> Brown, it could be because Greg Brown reminded me of like a Kenny Wooten. If you guys remember him from Oregon, uh-huh. where he was like, he's just a, a superior athlete. I guess the, the questions are like, uh, what can he do in terms of like skill wise, which was the same question they had for Kenny was like, yeah, he's a crazy athlete and he'll jump out the building and stuff like that. But, you know, what about the other, a- other aspects of his game? But yeah, guys like that who I can see, uh, you know, getting time in the G League and then producing, then getting calls up later on in the season are kind of the ones I'm looking out for the most. So let me ask you this, Jeffrey, because you mentioned how exciting the Rockets team could be this year with Jalen Green and Josh Christopher back together again, just like their high school days. You mentioned a guy like Jay Sean Tate, who was on the the, uh, the all-second rookie team this past season. Armani Brooks, who got some significant playing time, and he was, he was a solid contributor for them. Kyrie Thomas as well, being a solid contributor for the Rockets. But you also mentioned that the 2001 Clippers team – that was also really fun and exciting, but they did not make the playoffs. Do you think that this Rockets team, as fun and exciting as they are, can make the playoffs this year? I don't think not, – not this year. Not this year. They, they're going to be a team that I could see, like, in two years, you know, two, three years, making a little bit of a noise. Um, but I just don't see it right away. It's just, you know, they've got some really, really good pieces – 
Um, especially in the backcourt. I mean, the Jalen KPJ backcourt could be as exciting of a one-two punch as we could see in the NBA this year. Uh, but yeah, it's like, like Jason Tate's a good, a good complimentary player, but he's not a guy that's going to help you necessarily push you towards uh, a playoff berth, right? He's just a really good role player, you know, and some, and like a lot of the rookies, like, and same with like Kyrie or Armani, they're really good players, but they're still, I think, a piece away from really making a really good playoff run. And who knows, maybe they, um, you know, don't make the playoffs this year, but they're super fun to watch and they make some significant improvements. And then they get another good lottery pick um, in, the, in next year's draft, and they're able to capitalize off of that. Now they have, you know, the core guys they have on the roster now, plus another lottery pick, maybe another free agent pickup, or depending on who they also can get in the trade from John Wall or Eric Gordon, you know what I mean? Uh, depending on those workouts, then they could be a playoff team. But as the roster is constructed right now, I don't see it. I kind of figured it was going to be tough because of the fact that the Western Conference is still tough as it is, and especially with a lot of the younger teams like Minnesota as well. And then if you look at the Eastern Conference with the with the Detroit Pistons and then also with the Oklahoma City Thunder with how young that team is with Shea Gilgis Alexander at the helm, I think it's just going to be very tough for this team to really make an impact in terms of trying to make a playoff push. But I think that two to three year timeline could be really beneficial for some for players like Jalen Green and Josh Christopher to not only jail in the backcourt, but also for other guys like Jay Sean Tate to really step up. And then of course Kevin Porter Jr. to really take over as part of the as part of that backcourt with Jalen Green. And you know what the funny part about mentioning them and comparing them to the to the old Clippers team was that uh you know Andre Miller is like basically the the same player as Dacia Nix, right? A guy who's who's seen as um, a little bit uh, heavier set as a point guard, um, not necessarily like the quickest, but in terms of just IQ, their IQ is off the charts, right? And so yeah, it's like Andre Miller is like the Dacia Nix, and then uh, Lamar Odom is like Christian Wood in his own you know in his own way. It's not like a an exact comparison, but then you have like Darius Smalls and Quentin Richardson who are who could be, you know, compared to, like, KPJ and Jalen Green. I mean, the upside of KPJ and Jalen is so much higher. But, you know, it really does fit the mold of of that team. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely going to take a couple of years, man. But, you know, that's the thing about having this young core. It's like you can't expect unless there are some outliers like the OKC Thunder where everyone, you know, their big three was, like, 23 years old. But for the most part, you can't expect these guys 20 years old, you know, still getting their feet wet to really make that much of an impact on a league that they're so unfamiliar with, you know? And so, yeah, give it two years, three years, and they'll start making some noise. Yeah, man, I just thought it was really interesting that you guys made the the Clippers comparison just because I I can look over here to my left, and my dad actually recently copped me up the Quentin Richardson jersey from that season, which is, like, such an interesting, you know, it's such an interesting, like, line that that came up because of the fact that got that recently um, from a pickup. Um, going back to something that I mentioned earlier, talking about some interesting guys who could end up playing in the G League, just a couple of guys that I had in the mix, you know, in the Maryland area wise, I mean, one of the guys that sticks out to me, I think Aaron Wiggins for the Thunder, I definitely think he'll have some fun, uh, down there. I do think Isaiah Todd will, um, non-DMV related Sharif Cooper, I think should be fun in the G League. He'll be a really interesting guy. Um, Ryan, one of the, one of the guys that we were big fans of coming into this draft, Jason Preston, um, with the Clippers, I think he'll get some time down there and he'll be funny, uh, fun down there. Cause 
I mean, he's almost like a vet down there, you know, and he looked that way a little bit during the summer league um, stint that he had as well. So, I mean, those are just a couple of the guys. I think Keon Johnson, you want to talk about a guy doing between the leg dunks and tearing the rim off. I think that Keon Johnson on a Knicks team, um, or, uh, well, he got traded over to the Clippers too, but same thing with between the Knicks or the Clippers, really. They're, te- they're two teams that didn't really need a guy like Keon Johnson, just a, like, you know, bouncy, athletic, you know, athletic freak, very like, you know, Dennis Smith Jr.-esque. I think he's got a little bit more in his favor, especially on the defensive end. That'll be interesting. I mean, there's just a handful of guys from this group that I could see um, being really fun in the G League. Um, and it'll yeah. be interesting to see how much time they spend down there. You know, one one name that that came to mind when you ma- when you mentioned some of these guys, he's not a rookie. Mm-hmm. But you guys know Jay Scrub? Oh, for sure. Oh, I've been I've been pushing for him on this pod for a minute. Yeah, like Jay, he was uh he was basically injured all last year, and then uh-huh. he got uh, he was he was actually in the G League bubble, but then he was hurt, so he never really played. He was with the Agua Caliente Clippers in the bubble, though. Um, so I guess in a way he was in the G League, but never actually played. But then he only played the last like couple games of the year for the Clippers. Then he had that, I think it was like 23 points in the second to last game of the season. But he's a guy that um, has, you know, kind of fallen off the radar a little bit just because it's like if you if you miss a, an entire year, you know what I mean? Like the hype kind of dies down a little bit and they want to see what you can still do after the injury. But he was like the best Juco player of all time and, you know, national player of the year and stuff like that. And you rarely see players get selected out of junior college, you know? And so I, he's another guy that I could see playing for Agua Caliente again and then making some serious noise in the G League. Um, I, I, I kind of consider next year to be his rookie season just because he missed basically all of last year. But, yeah, he's a guy that could be, like, on the radar of super young guys who um, are going to are gonna take the G League by storm and then eventually get their time in the NBA. But, yeah, as far as, like, Jason Preston goes, yeah, he's he's gonna be fun to watch too. I could definitely see him in the G League. Um and then you said Shreve Cooper. I could see Shreve Cooper with the College Park Skyhawks too. You know, he played his tail off in the summer league, but at the end of the day it's it's only summer league and he was a second round pick, right? And so he's a guy that probably will spend maybe like half the season in the G League before getting called up. And so um yeah, so all those guys are are on the watch list for sure and half of those guys I think will be in the G during some time next season. Yeah, man, I definitely think, I mean, the G League season, the entire 2021-22 season is about to be a movie just out of the mere fact that, you know, we're back to 82 games. We're starting to get a little bit more of an understanding of how things are going to move forward. I would count this as our first real, real year with the play-in tournament. I think the last two years have been some really fun experiments, but with an 82-game schedule, this will be our first real look at what that, you know, kind of impact will have on the playoff picture. I just think there's a lot of things to look forward to. Um, Jeffrey, we're going to go through some quick hitters to end the podcast out. It's just going to be like little stuff that has more to do with like, you know, your page and what you do in terms of the G League space. Um, what would what what would you say is like your favorite thing about covering the G League? My favorite thing? Um, wow, that's a great question. Uh, my favorite thing about covering the G League is like how receptive the players are to – um, you know, whether it's shouting them out and showing their highlights or um, or just, you know, just going to their games and stuff like that, how much they, like, embrace 
the small D-League community. You know what I mean? Because at this point in time, like, the, there's a lot of – the NBA community is huge. I would say the, the community of, like, diehard G-League fans is pretty small. And then uh, on Instagram, I'm in a group chat with a few of them. And then, you know, any transaction that goes down, um, any, like, small, small bit of news that would be you know, no big deal to any other person is, like, big deal to, to, the, to the fanatics, you know what I mean? And uh, so I, I enjoy it. And then all these people that I'm in this group chat with, they all go to games. And they all, you know, do the same thing as I do where they, like, meeting the players after the games and they like, you know, buying the cheap tickets and moving down and stuff like that. And uh, the players have been nothing but nice and respectful. So I think it's more like the fact that the players in the G League, they embrace the small community that really, uh, uh, really supports them is my favorite. And then also um, one thing I love about the page is like bringing new fans to the league as well. You know, it's, uh, it's the, the, the NBA is so big, but like I said before, all my friends, they all love NBA too, but none of them even you know remotely care about the G League, right? And so I think through the page we're bring um you know hopefully bringing more NBA fans and helping them become G League fans because eventually those guys that they're watching in the G League are going to be on their favorite teams. They're going to be key pieces on rosters competing for a championship, you know. And last year it was forty three percent of the league uh, had G League experience, and I think this year I mean we could very well see that over fifty percent. Um, and as that continues to grow, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, five years from now, 60% of the league somehow has played in the G League one way or the other, you know? And so I think those are the two biggest things is just the fact that the the players are um, much more receptive of, of the fans and then also bringing new fans into the G League. So expounding upon the whole bringing new fans into the G League thing, what would you what, like so for somebody trying to grow a page, right? For example, we're trying to grow this podcast. We're trying to push this podcast. There's other people who have interest in the NBA or in their own niche of, you know, what they like to do on a regular basis or like to pay attention to do on a regular basis. What's some advice that you would give somebody in terms of trying to grow within this social media space? Because there's so many different outlets, so many different things, so many different niches that people are interested in. And it's all about, you know, how you go about pushing your brand or your platform, right? So, like, what would be some advice you would give in going about doing that? Because, like, your route was going to a niche you felt like was under the radar for other people it might be exploiting a certain type of you know craft that they're good at that only they know you know they can do in a different way than somebody else and so on and so forth so like what would be some advice running a page from your perspective in terms of you know being in the social media sphere yeah yeah that's a interesting question i would say that the biggest piece of advice is like is trying not to be like a copycat you know what i mean and the reason why i say that is because we see so much on Instagram where there's so many, like, NBA meme pages, um, NBA, like, even, like, NBA pages that recycle the same headlining stories, you know? Um, there's a lot of, like, pages that have, like, NBA updates, but it's, like, they're posting the same updates that, like, Bleach Report is posting, that M- that ESPN is posting. Um, you know, when, when Dame Lillard hits a 35-foot game winner, right? they're going to post those same highlights. And so it becomes a little bit oversaturated with those that same amount of content. So I would say, kind of back to what you're saying, is like finding something that you really like and enjoy, and hopefully it's something that maybe people haven't capitalized off of yet, and then making that your own thing. I, I think another example of that is like with 
the WNBA, you know? Like, we see uh, the WNBA has their own page. Um, I haven't really seen, other than a couple of smaller ones, like someone to make, like, a highlight page that's totally dedicated to WNBA, where you see, like, kind of like during the season they're posting, um, you know, this player had 25 points, this player had 12 assists, or something like that, you know? Um, because the thing about it is that you're only going to get so much information on the actual WNBA page, just like you're only going to get so much information on the G League page. For whatever reason, they don't post nearly as much as they should. They don't brand uh, and branch out as much as I think that they should. So I would like to see someone like kind of take advantage of that and make a WNBA page where, um, where like even though it's a smaller group, like you know a lot of guys clown the WNBA, but I'm sure that they have like you know hundreds of thousands of fans across the world who are actually invested in that league, you know. And so make something like that where it's a market that hasn't been explored yet. Um, another one is like the you know, the Basketball Africa League launched last year, and uh, J Cole was playing in. And I know J Cole brought some attention to them, but the bas the the ball league it's essentially it's sponsored by the NBA. It's NBA backed, so anything with the NBA shield on it is going to eventually become a big thing. Just like the same thing with the G League, right? So I could see like in you know five years from now a lot of top African prospects are coming out of the ball league, right? And I would love to see highlights from that as well. So, you know, things like that where you find an, uh, uh, kind of a, an avenue that people haven't explored yet, and then you take that route. If there's people out there that want to start a page, I wouldn't start like a generic NBA page. If anything, I would start like um, just something like I said about uh, a path that hasn't been explored yet but has the potential to be big. Yeah, man, I think that's so great. Shout out to our man Carson, who runs the WNBA fans only page. He actually does that stuff. Yeah. You know what? I was just thinking, I was like, I, that's right, Carson's page. I, I, know, yeah. I know Carson as well. Yeah. So yeah, shout out, shout out to bro. We we haven't been able to have him on the pod in a in a good little while because he's been pretty busy with his with his coverage. He's also been going to a lot of games. Um, for and the Minnesota Lynx lately too. Yeah, and the yeah Nuggets fans only. We had him talk about that page a little bit when he was on the pod. Really doing some really solid work over there, and has been helping us with our WNBA content here on the here on the pod because. One of our biggest things with the Hoop Talk podcast was that we understand with all these basketball lanes that everybody's talking about the NBA. And, of course, our forte here on the Hoop Talk podcast is to talk about the NBA pretty heavily. But, I mean, recently we're getting back into the college basketball sphere of things. We've did, we've delved into the WNBA season all year for this 25th anniversary and did a lot of stuff last year on the back end during the wobble. So, I mean, just I, I really find it fascinating when you talk about, like, that niching down and, like, picking that different groups that have like those uh the rabbit fans you know what i mean the diehards like you were saying beforehand and those groups speaking of that you might have to slide us into one of those g league uh group chats you got over there jeffrey because uh I, I gotta i gotta get my knowledge up oh yeah but, no um, doubt, no doubt. <laughs> yeah for sure and um so the last thing i wanted to ask you in terms of this before we wrap it up really is just like in terms of your page right um and of course feel free to plug it in this last run up but when when you do what you do and you you know surround yourself with this community let's talk about more about your community for a second um how does that feel cuz i understand the player aspect of it the exposure and things like that but the idea how does that feel being able to 
um, create this community within a group that, you know, you said even your own friends are kind of like the G League. I'm not really sure. But you come to find out that you created this community um, or a part of this community that's way bigger than I think when you started the page, you may have even realized. So, like, how do you feel about that? Like I said before, and feel, um, feel free to plug your page in terms of that. And of course, we'll drop in the description as well. But what is that like creating that community in such this, such an interesting space in the NBA? Yeah, you know, that's been, to tell you the truth, that I think has been the most gratifying thing of starting the page was, you know, discovering all these fans that I didn't even know really existed, to tell you the truth. Um, for the longest time, I thought I was the only diehard Delaware 87ers fan, you know, because I would go to games and, you know, there wouldn't be that many people there. And you see the same amount of, like, the one thing about going to G League games is that you'll see very familiar faces time in and time out, right? So the guys that there's like certain season ticket holders that you know you'll be sitting at a certain seat in a certain section or something like that. Um, but it's a really small community. So I was like, yeah, you know, I don't know when I when I created the page, I was like, I don't know how much this will even pick up because I don't know how many how, how interested people are in the actual G League. But it you know just to find out that there's thousands of them out there, and then there's thousands of them who. Um, maybe weren't fans before but became fans or had some type of interest and maybe that's grown over the past year and a half or so as the as the pages expanded but yeah that's been really cool is kind of creating this community of people that uh, uh appreciate a smaller brand of basketball um appreciate you know the work that these guys put in i was watching um uh kg had that area 21 show mm-hmm. uh, on nba tv and or was on tnt which one which one uh but he had that show, and I remember him talking about the G League, and he was like, yeah, you know, people don't really care about the G League, and people think it's a subpar league, but these guys can actually play, you know, and I think that's the, been the biggest thing, too, is, like, people realizing that, hey, you know, there is an elite brand of basketball in the G League. You know, only 500 players are going to play in the NBA, but these are really as good of players as you'll find in basketball that are not in the NBA, you know? Um, Duncan Robinson said it perfectly. He said that the G League is the second most talented league. He said it's not necessarily the best league, but it's the second most talented league in terms of like the overall skill set of these players. Um, you know, a lot of times they're throwing them together for short spans of time. That a lot of players are going in and out, so you can't develop that chemistry. But in terms of talent, you won't find better talent, in my opinion, than you will in the G League as opposed to the NBA. So, you know, I think that the the biggest thing is, like, making these people realize, helping people realize, like, you know, the brand of basketball we have down here is a legitimate brand. These are not minor league players. These are not semi-pro players. These are not, like, NAIA, you know, D3 guys who are just hopping off the couch and, you know, playing in a game. These are guys that can actually hoop and then will be part of the NBA in the near future. Yeah, man. Guys, if you guys haven't checked them out already, G League TV on Instagram at Jeffrey Sosa 300. If you want to see some of his personal stuff, he works with uh, UMBC out here in the DMV area. Solid follow. I mean, he's got a strong community going on, going crazy. Jeffrey, you got any final words for us before we get up out of here, bro? You know, Jalen, Ryan, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk, man. It's I, I say this all the time. Like, I don't really have that many um great G League conversations because like I said my friends don't follow it so when I talk to my friends it's like only about the NBA so I love coming on these pods where you know I talk to people that know the G League and are and are interested in the G League uh because I I kind of rarely have these 
conversations that are so in depth, you know. So I appreciate the opportunity 100%, man. And and I can't I can't wait to see what you guys are going to continue to do with the podcast and how you guys continue to grow. And I think the best is waiting for us for all of you know for all of us in the future. Yes, sir, man. This has been much anticipated. And of course, hey, bro, anytime you want to talk some G League, we here. We got a microphone and a camera. We can do it off the record, on the record. It doesn't matter. We really enjoy watching the G League. This is going to be our first real season, zoning in on it. We've, we've talked about it here and there. The WNBA has been our first course of action in terms of trying to address that, you know, underrepresented niche. And the G League has been something we've been talking about, one to get in the space of since we started this pod. And Ryan will tell you, your page has a lot to do with that. We've been following the G League TV page since before we followed it on the Hoop Talk podcast Instagram separately. So, I mean, that's had a lot to do with us trying to get into this space. And um, we hope to have you on the pod a lot more moving forward as well, because it's been really fun talking to you about the G League. And, I mean, once the season starts, it's go time. Oh, absolutely. And I'd love to come on again, especially, like, when the season starts and then we can see, like, who the uh, the early emerging top performers are, you know what I mean? Yes, sir. Because one more thing that I forgot to mention is that I could definitely see Bo Bo playing in the G League again. The oh, Devils yes. Have a G yes, League sir. the first time ever in the Grand Rapids Gold. And, you know, he could be going into year three and not really have a place in the rotation. It's like, why not send him down there get 30 minutes a night, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're going to have a lot to talk about in terms of, like, the early performers who I could see being called up um, early on in the season and stuff like that, who some of the better teams are. Yeah, there's a ton to talk about, and I'd love to, you know, share that with you guys, you know, uh, when the season starts. Oh, man. Okay, listeners, book that in. We got something coming for the G League start of the season because, I mean, it's around the corner. The NBA is, I mean, it, it came and went and is coming back just as quick. Um, man, it's been a movie. Jeffrey, again, we really appreciate you coming on the pod. Like I said, this has been something me and Brian have had in the mix for a minute. Just really glad to, uh, to hear from you and everything like that. Again, for anybody who has not checked out Jeffrey's page yet, we'll definitely have that in the description down below. Ryan, get us up out of here, bro. Get us up out of here strong. We want to thank our guest again, Jeffrey Sosa from G League TV, for coming on and discussing some G League basketball with us today. And transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, who are some players that you want to see in the NBA G League? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk Podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We will see you guys next episode. Peace!